do what you need to do, mow their lawns, but that one day that penny will drop and they'll come to know Jesus. Amen. So I'm so Brilliant. excited. So don't Brilliant. give up. Persevere. Thank you. That is cool, Dawn. Thank you. Let's give her a hand. That's cool. <clears throat> so for those of you um, that weren't here this morning, I'm going to recommend, highly recommend Wally's message. Um, for me, the thing that really sort of um, ministered so much to me was just how Wally was telling us the stories um, of his life and how people he um, journeyed with and how some of them were a few weeks, some of them were a few months, but yet some of them were a few years. And he spoke about um, the kindness of God is that's what leads us to repentance. And just through the kindness, the kind acts that we can do, simple things, everyday things that sometimes we don't even stop to think about, those are the things that begin to, um, are the seed that is sown that eventually leads to those people getting saved. So it's the kindness of God, and every single one of us have kindness in us. So we can, there's no excuse. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, babe. That's super cool. <clears throat> you know, the way else, often we as a church get caught up with the one another's. I'm going to encourage you to be others you want to demonstrate God's kindness to. And I'm looking forward to some of your stories. I'm trusting, I'm inspiring you to have your own stories that you can come and share. Cool. Thank you. Well, I must confess that when I hear evangelism, part of me sighs a bit because the image you have in your head is trying to speak to someone and it's awkward and you're like, oh man, this is, this is tough. But what was so amazing about Wally's message this morning was that he showed us so clearly that actually it starts with saying hello to the person next door and actually just caring for people and having our eyes opened to what's happening in their lives. And if we do that, people will listen to us and people will come. And so it really made it so doable. So I really want to encourage you to open up your hearts. I was, I was super encouraged. Thanks, Thank Wally. you. Thank you. Very cool. It's far easier than you think. I just want to say that for me, it uh, begins with tea and scones. Yes. <laughs> I always have frozen scones in my freezer, and at the drop of a hat, I can ask a neighbor, and I did, and she came with her mother, and uh, she brought her sister, who wasn't very well. Her sister gave her life to the Lord Jesus, and I asked uh, her if she was ready, and she put her head down, so I knew it wasn't right. But uh, it was only two weeks later she came for more tea and scones. And I said, are you ready? She said, I'm ready. And she said it wow. after me. She said it loud and clear. And so the ripples go on. Wonderful. Thank you. That is super cool. <clears throat> Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm trusting we're going to have dozens and dozens of stories. And it's interesting that often people, your neighbors will respond to an invitation to your home for scones, for tea, a meal, before they'll respond to come on a Sunday. If you look at Jesus' strategy on the Gospels, how many times he was in unbelievers' homes? In fact, one of the accusations against Jesus, he was a friend of publicans and sinners, and he sat and he ate and he drank with them. Can I say it? In the Old Testament, Bible customs and manners, I forget the author's name, salt in Bible times was a very highly prized commodity. 
And if I wanted to have somebody come over to my place for a meal and extend hospitality, I'd say, come to my home and share salt with me. That was actually a Bible term of extending hospitality. And in Bible times, your hospitality and your reputation were so closely linked. And I want to encourage you, it's far easier than you think because table salt can become hot salt that can bring about a changed life. That can often just take place over a meal. But this evening, I'm going to talk to you briefly about the salty gospel of the kingdom of God. The salty gospel, I've got a friend, Les, who lives down by East London. His nickname for me is Walt the Salt. <clears throat> because ever since we've known each other, him and I have just shared and gone out and loved on people. This morning, I used this analogy of the salt cellar, which our lives ought to be. And we're to be tipped out and sprinkled. This evening, I'm going to bring out another salt cellar. It's this way. You know, John 3, 16, God still so loves the world. But how is he going to love the world through you and through me? You know, the Bible calls us his ambassadors. His ambassadors, we're called to represent and reflect him to the world. A lot of people say, well, Wally, what's my ministry? We all know 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Then it continues, all of this is from God. He was entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling man back to God and at times man to man. In fact, in everything we do, there needs to be the aspect and the element of reconciliation. Now with reference to the salty gospel, because there's a sweet gospel and there's a sour gospel, but it's the salty gospel that we're after. And if I could put it in layman's terms, is it's our spiritual first aid. And how many of you know sometimes in situations, knowing first aid could save a person's life? Now you and I need to be competent in spiritual first aid. It could change a person's life. How many of you have been in situations in a mall over the PA system? Is there a doctor? Could you please come to the management's office? How many of you know you know it's serious? It's not just a headache. It's something serious. And people's lives are crumbling, imploding, exploding. And for you and I to be able to share the gospel in a way that gives life without religious terminology. I remember the one time... I was pastoring in Freyhead. And the reason why I'm sharing this story is just to let you know you've got to be ready whenever. There was a, a phone call that came, and it was a young guy phoned looking for a mate of his, but it was the wrong number. And he was about to hang up, and I said, hold on, what's your name? So he said, Dion. So I said, Dion, I'm Wally. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> so he says, I'm in matric, and I'm going to finish my matric, and then I'm traveling to Europe, and I'm going to jaw, and I'm going to sow all my wild oats. And then I said, and then? He says, I don't know, I haven't thought that far. So I said, could it possibly that the wild oats you intend to sow could maybe leave you with a lifetime of regret? 
I said, wouldn't you like to come over for a cup of coffee and let me share with you God's plan, God's purpose, and the amazing cool things that he's got in store for you that won't leave you with regrets. So he said, no, no, I'm busy, I'm fine. Da, da. I said, before you hang up, Dion, I live at 12 Tamburti Street. And it was, okay, cheers, cheers, hung up. Like three hours later, there was a knock on the door. This guy came, Dion, I said, whoa. He said, I couldn't get out of my mind what you said. I'm summarizing this. I had the privilege of leading him to Christ, and he became our youth pastor. <laughs> How's that? Through a wrong number. Through a wrong number. We're still friends today. In fact, we met a couple of months ago just for a reunion. See, you've got to be ready in season and out. You never know when. You never know how. I remember visiting Keith and Kathy Suter in Stanger. We, she's a nurse. She was a, a nurse for a, a medical center. Keith was a, a farmer, but she was wonderfully saved. Keith was. He had a drinking problem, a challenge there. And so she said, well, come over for dinner and let's see what happens. During dinner, he starts sweating and he's going to get a bit painful. He's just going to go get a glass of water. Gee whiskers, he just starts walking down the passage and the next minute we hear this massive thud on the floor. And we think, whoa, she jumps up, runs and she panics. She realizes he was some, having some kind of a heart attack. So she was doing CPR on him and I'm holding his hand. I'm saying, Keith, look at me now. If you died now, you're going to look into Jesus' face and he's either going to say, welcome home or depart from me. I never knew you. Which one do you want? He says, I want Jesus to save me now. And he's, as he just said it, it was like, whew, and I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know where we bundled him into the car, rushed him off to the hospital. It was a heart attack, and there was blockages in his heart, but he had a stint put in, and whatever else, a couple of days later, he was released. But that little prayer on the ground changed his life forever. What was so cool, on Sunday he'd come, he'd say, what, he's 30 days dry, 60 days dry, 120 days dry. It's the power of Christ that can change. Now imagine if I started laying hands on him and saying, be healed in Jesus' name, and it didn't, and he died, where would he spend the rest of eternity? See, we've got to be ready, but we don't know what's around the next corner. We've got to be skilled in being able to communicate the gospel. Now, I'm telling you these stories because you're going to start having your own stories, and I want you to be ready for that. Can I say to you, the gospel is shared in three ways. In word, the Bible says in Romans 10, 14, how can they believe unless someone tells them. And often we've just got stuck there. But I've found one of the two key ways before you can share is in attitude. What is my attitude towards them of love and care? Secondly, deeds. You and I in Acts 10 verse 38 speak about being anointed for good deeds. I've found when we start doing kind deeds to people, it softens their heart. Doesn't the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 2 say it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? The message of the, the Passion Translation says it like this. Do you not realize that it's the wealth of his extravagant kindness that melts people's hearts? When you live kindly towards others, 
You're reflecting the kind God that we serve. That's what it means being called to be his ambassadors. Now, the salty gospel is the gospel of the kingdom of God, and it's the only gospel that will bring about a Christ-like transformation. It's the only gospel. See, we don't want to just accept Jesus. We need to become like Jesus. A sour gospel is that of religion. It's a whole lot of do's and don'ts. It's all about the hoops you've got to jump through, all the laws that you need to do. I remember the one time I was actually at a spa, and there was a guy in front. He started engaging with the teller. And I thought, he said, do you know the Ten Commandments? So she said, no. And when he just mentioned Ten Commandments, my ears pricked up. So she said, no. So he said, you've already sinned there not knowing the Ten Commandments. So he says, I'm sure you've done this, you've lied, you've done it. And he just started going through. She burst out crying. So I, I said, excuse me, sir. Could you just finish off? I'll take over where you left off. And then I said to her, you know, ma'am, I'm so sorry what's just happened. Let me tell you what. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Let me tell you, no matter what's happened in your life, he still deeply and dearly and passionately loves you. He's a plan and a purpose for your life that's beyond your wildest dreams and imagination. Would you like me to share with you some of that? I've, I've stopped many years ago telling people, do you know God loves you? Because everybody's response is, yes, I know. I tell people, do you know how much he loves you? See, it's a different stance. They don't know how much he loves them because if they did know how much he loves them, they would want to respond to a person who loves them as deeply and dearly as he does. Now, the sweet gospel is where this whole thing of just all roads lead to Rome. It doesn't matter what you believe, etc., etc. Just come and just stay as you are. We're not going to put any pressure on you. It's not the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of God. Can I tell you what? The kingdom gospel is both great and glorious. In the book of Hebrews, in 1 Timothy, Paul speaks about it, and that's another whole message on its own, the greatness and the glory of the gospel. But it's all about the person of Jesus. Can I tell you this evening that the gospel is centered in Christ? In the book of Romans, Paul speaks about the gospel is the gospel of his son, Jesus. And when you're overwhelmed by who he is, everything makes sense. I believe God wants us to recapture our awe of who he is. When you live in wonder and awe of who Jesus is, everything changes. See, the gospel of the kingdom of God is where Christ is first and foremost. See, a lot of people say they serve Jesus, and I'm not denying that. But hear my heart. You need a photo finish to see, is Jesus really first? They hear Jesus is first, but can I tell you what? If Jesus is first, second should be nowhere in the picture. You know, it's for example, the first person that crosses the comrade's line, he's, made, he's first. Come back next month, the month after, and then only second crosses the line. That's what it needs to be in proportion with Jesus being first and foremost. That's why Jesus came. He came 
to be king. See, a lot of people just have Jesus as an attachment to their life. He's not central. He's not really first. You can tell how first he is by how close second is. See, when he grips your heart and he changes you, that's when we talk about the salty gospel of the kingdom of God. When you begin to know his love and the magnitude of the plan, the price he paid, the person of who he is, everything changes. Can I say to you this evening, and I don't want to knock it in any form or fashion, when Jesus hung on the cross, it says he hung between or in the middle of the two thieves. Is Jesus in the center? In heaven and eternity, the Bible says there's the lamb on the throne in the center. Is Jesus central in your thinking, in your speaking, in your desires, in your motivation, in your time, in your sexuality, in your finances? Is he central or is he just an attachment? The gospel, the salty gospel, never presents Jesus as a Mr. Fix-It for your finances or your marriage or your healing. No, no, he's first or foremost. First and foremost. If your marriage falls apart, you'll lose everything. You could be naturally in the red, but you could be spiritually so rich in him. Can I encourage you, as he becomes preeminent and supreme in all things, he's the one that really matters the most. It's him and his kingship and lordship. You know, so often there's the gospel, we know it so well. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Often we've got it the other way around, and we say this, bless my soul, O my Lord. We've got it the wrong way around. It's bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Never let the benefits and the blessings of the cross and Calvary override and overshadow the person of Jesus Christ. That's the salty gospel of the kingdom. I remember Shirley and I were having dinner with a couple non-Christians. They're both actuaries, very clever folk and clever people. We got around the gospel and chatting, and he said this interesting thing. He says, Wally, you guys are big C's, we're little C's. So I said, what do you mean, Mike? He says, no, no, you're big, you're serving Jesus with all your heart. We're serving Jesus depending how the mood is and depending how things are. That's the sweet gospel. The salty gospel is Christ is central, first, foremost. He counts for everything. If he's on the graph, there's nothing else on the graph. That's the gospel of the kingdom. That's why Jesus came, that he could be king and Lord of all. The Bible says he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. You might say, well, Wally, the book of Acts, we all want to get back to the book of Acts, and I agree, but he's gonna go, we're going to go beyond the book of Acts. But what was the key in Acts 17? These people who turned the world upside down have come here. They all define Caesar's decree, saying there's another king, one called Jesus, who is sitting on the throne of your heart and life. See, becoming a, a Christ follower Having the salty gospel is dethroning self and enthroning Christ. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? So often we've got to, yeah, I am seated with him in heavenly places, but he's not sitting on my lap. 
I'm not sitting on his lap. I'm bowed before him. That's the shouty gospel. We need to understand that or what happens, we have a lot of people that have made commitments, but there's no change in their life. They're living mediocre, average lives. They think they've got their fire insurance, they're going to heaven, but their lives are void of the life of Christ. We don't want that. We talk about living passionate for Jesus. It's when he's first and foremost. And people say, well, how do you die to self? It's very simple and easy. It's through the life of obedience. You die to self through obedience to Christ. You don't die to self by beating yourself up. You die to self through a life of obedience, teaching people to obey. What little word is in the middle of obedience? Spell it out. O-B. Die. D-I-E is in the middle of obedience. You die to self by living a life of obedience to Christ. Can I say the salty gospel is a gospel that firstly pictures God as relational. I never say if you died today, where are you going to spend eternity? That all they're thinking is heaven, but heaven came to earth. I focus the salty gospel that God wants to have a relationship with you that is so life-changing and transforming that everybody around about you is going to go, what has happened to him? When I got saved, I lost half my vocabulary. I lost half of it. See, that Christ comes not to turn over a new leaf. He comes to change us. The attitudes that I had, the behavior that I had, and then I was on a journey of being transformed and I'm still on that journey. Have we arrived? No. But I'm on that journey because I want to be his ambassador. I want to be his ambassador. Because you see, isn't this in John 17, 3, now this is eternal life that you may know him, Jesus, and the one and only true God. See, the gospel is about Jesus. Now if I could ask you a question, could you write a letter to one of your yet-to-believe friends and ask you to describe Jesus in such a way without chapter and verse that when your friend reads it, they say, gee, I'd like to meet this person. Because that's what we ought to be able to do. That's what being a witness of my friendship with Jesus is contagious, that I could describe Jesus to somebody in such a way that, gee, I'd love to meet this person person that knows you so deeply and so intimately before you even think a thought he knows it how cool is that that at night he watches over me the bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers in other words he doesn't even blink we all know psalm 139 so well that his eyes saw my unformed substance you know what that is it was love at first sight when you were two cells beneath that for love in fact even before the foundation of the world he had you in mind and had an amazing destiny and purpose planned for you who wouldn't want to know that see when you can begin to describe Jesus as not a distant God but a personal up close can I say I never pray Jesus go with us be with us because they're not biblical when Jesus left he never said goodbye 
He said, I'm with you till the end of the age. And no matter what you go through, he wants to walk with us through that. God, the gospel is centered in the person of Jesus, and it's about a relationship with him. Secondly, the O of gospel is how sins have separated us. Sin causes a barrier, and the only way we can deal with sin is through repentance and through confession and turning from it. There is a coming as you are, but with a heart that is sorrowful and sad for, for the way we've lived. And it's turning away from, but turning to him to receive that forgiveness. As when Adam sinned, all the dominoes fell. In Christ, he causes us to stand up again. He brings us back to life. Sin cannot be removed by our good deeds. A lot of people are trying to do good deeds. I say your good deeds is like you trying to climb Mount Everest in slops and a t-shirt. You'll never get up. You'll never even get to base one. It's impossible. With the gospel, it's not what you can do, but what Christ has done, and I surrender to him. The price has been paid for in full. Jesus did it all. We simply need to respond in faith and say, all of me for you, Jesus. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Now, a lot of people that come and say, well, I've made a commitment of Christ. I say, how has your life changed? Oh, not really. Then I said, I don't think you've got the salty gospel. I don't think, see, Jesus doesn't move in to be a tenant. He moves in to be Lord and ruler and owner. A lot of people have Jesus in their lives, but as a tenant or under house arrest. But no, no, he's got to be first and foremost. I remember Rigby Wallace, a friend of mine, he said, he said one thing, he said, out of the blue, he said, my greatest fear is next year, this time, I'm the same, I haven't changed. We need to be daily becoming more like Jesus. Doesn't the Bible say you and I are living epistles, read and known by others? In other words, the way we live our life, others go, they're different. There's something different I'd like to know what it is. Everyone who trusts in him, and turns from sin to Christ will experience that life-giving gift of eternal life. And eternal life starts now in relationship with Christ, not in heaven one day. Could I ask the guys at the back, my time is up, there's the gospel in four minutes. But what we're going to do, I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to call it homework, I'm going to call it an assignment. It sounds more, <laughs> I want you to write down the gospel in your own words, without Christianese, without religious jargon, that you could share it with somebody who doesn't know the Bible. Can I say there are some people that don't know the Bible at all? There was a young guy, Jared, that this year had the privilege. I'd walk in on that nine months, and he came to my place, and it was so cool. He said, Wally, I've seen, I've heard. He just burst out crying. I said, you're right. He said, I want what you've got. Had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. Now, I take him the next Sunday to a, a, a Christian church up the road from us. And the pastor gets up and says, well, let's, let's turn to Matthew. He looks at me and says, I don't know a Matthew. That's what he said to me. He says, I don't know Matthew. Who's Matthew? So I said, don't worry, Jared. 
It's, it's a, one of the guys that was Jesus' disciples. And I opened my Bible and I said, oh, just follow me, follow me. He didn't even know who Matthew was. See, often we assume it's so when you're engaging with people that are yet to believe, don't assume they know everything. Don't throw chapter and verse at them. Talk about a relationship with God as a father through Jesus Christ. Talk about sin. We all know the mess the world's in. It's a picture of sin. But then a wonderful picture of grace, God's love. I'm going to continue on Thursday with this, and I'm going to whet your appetites. If you want to know what this is about, we'll see you on Thursday of how we can visit our soul pans to really get to know who Jesus is, that we can live him out where we live, work, and play. This sums up the gospel. Some of you possibly have seen it. Watch it again. I've watched it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And every time I watch it, I say, Lord, make this more real in my life. Because only when there's a burning within me can I burn in others. Thank you, guys, at the sound desk. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept, so cold. It's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It don't need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection, but silly us trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. 
Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect. Or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness. His death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection, we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in him and him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins paying everyone think deeply for your own heart to know exactly what the gospel is and isn't. Tonight as we go to bed, go with gratitude for his love and forgiveness. Because when it grips your heart, I want to pray for you. And after I pray, if you here this evening haven't met Jesus, have that sweet relationship of two ways, Religion is one way. Christianity, true kingdom gospel. We'd love to talk with you more and then pray together with you to help you cross the line of faith where it's real and life-changing. Can I pray together for you? Father, thank you for every person here this evening. And my prayer is that, Lord, they would take seriously the greatness and the gloriousness of this precious gospel that you've entrusted to us, that is you, Jesus. That, Jesus, we would first and foremost have you first with nothing else in the picture. 
Lord, I ask you that you'd be central in our lives and every part of our being. That Jesus, what you've done for us would burn in our hearts and minds. That Lord, that we would get to know you so well, we could communicate you to others as our BFF, our best friend forever. Holy Spirit, I ask you, give insight and understanding and illumination to each and every person. My prayers, we go out from here that we'd make Monday through to Saturday count for you, living a salty life for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Blessing, eh? Be there on Thursday. God's going to do something. You know what's incredible about this, this message, this man, this ministry, whatever you'd like to call it, is it's for everybody, every day, in all of life. It's not a superstar with a mic. It's not somebody that's, it's, it's for everybody, every day, in all of life. And all it is is loving people. Simple, eh? So please, if you, if you would like that relationship, but you've never met this Jesus and you've never known this relationship with God, please, I'd love you to come forward. We're going to end up, we can just stand quickly as we, as we, leave, as we, we end. The second group of people I'd like to pray for, though, is for those where it's a photo finish. You're crossing the line, but actually it's God, fir it's, it's God first, but it's a photo finish as to whether it's God first or you first. And actually it needs to be, you don't need a photo finish, it needs to be God way in front. God way in front. And if that's you tonight, I'd love to come and we'd love to pray for you as well. And uh, Father, I ask you that as we leave here tonight, that you'd embed some of these truths in our hearts and make us effective ambassadors, effective ministers. Give us the ministry of reconciliation, Lord God. You've given us the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile men and women back to you, Lord God. And I thank you that as Wally has spoken, 